Hi everybody, I'm the gay girl Holly. And I am the trans girl Brooklyn. Why are you whispering today? Because we finally had our little boy and he's sleeping. He's sleeping with us? Mm-hmm. He is adorable. He is. I can't wait to talk about him. a trans girl i'm holly the gay girl and i am brooklyn the trans girl and we finally had our baby we did what uh we we kind of have a story a little bit of an adventure with us and um we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of talk about like some of the little things that you can look out for um, that oh. maybe she didn't notice or we did notice and maybe the doctors didn't notice, but oh, no, we had a, I noticed. we had a story. We had a little adventure we and it up every time. Yeah. So, um, we were supposed to be back a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we had some things that we were, we were going to do. It was national coming out day. Yeah. Um, national lesbian day. Yeah. It was the day I think it was the day before was National Lesbian Day. The day after was National Coming Out Day because we were going to do an, a coming out episode. We were going to invite people into our studio to be able to do that, not to come out, but to share their coming out experiences, <laughs> of course. But um, hey, Rebecca, I'm gay. Yeah, <laughs> like oh my god, I didn't know. <laughs> but no, we um, we had some stuff planned, and then we had Chaos. something else kind of yeah got There's... planned over it. It was just a roller coaster. It really was. Um, the week before, my grandmother had passed away, and it was kind of a sad. It was a sad time. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't expected, but it also wasn't not something that we counted out. She was older, um, and she'd been having some problems for some time. So it was something that we knew was coming eventually, but it just kind of happened. Um, so we were actually at the funeral, and this was Tuesday. Yeah. On 10 This is October 10th. Yeah. Um, 2023. We were at the funeral. And, well, we, on our way there, she was saying, she's like, I my vision's blurry. It's been like that for a couple of days. She was like, No, the day before it was blurry, and I thought maybe it'd get better the next morning, and it didn't. So I called the doctor first thing in the morning. Yeah. It went to voicemail, so I was like, Okay, we'll go to the funeral. And then they called me back during it, and I was like, Well, we got to finish the funeral. And they told us to go to labor and delivery. They said it's super important, like, get their ASAP. And we were like, Okay. As soon as the funeral's over, we'll head straight over there. And 
the funeral was over. It was just the procession to the cemetery is all we had left. So we yeah. were wanting to just finish that up. And um, my oldest son was with us, and he wanted to hang out with the kiddos. So we were like, okay, we're gonna drop him off by the house, and we're gonna head to the to the hospital. Everybody at the funeral said I looked really swollen and not good at all. She had she looked terrible. Like and you know Holly normally looks gorgeous to me. And tiny. And tiny. But she just, she looked like she was going to pop. And yeah. I'm not talking about her belly. I'm talking about her face, her I legs. I felt miserable. It was horrible looking. I was crying because of funeral, crying because I was worried about the baby. It was just a lot, a lot going on. <sighs> so we got to Wesley Hospital, which I am going to have to give them, like, a <laughs> lot of props. They were amazing. I wish I knew the names of all the nurses that we had. Um, and the doctors. And the doctors. They were all just super amazing. They were some of the best. Um, they were there by our side. They comforted us. They just were having fun with us. They just, there was nothing about them that being transgender or a gay family made me feel uncomfortable from them. I, I'd have to say there's there's one nurse I kind of had maybe a little bit of a thing with. But that was at the very end. Very, very end. That was not the end. That was like halfway through it. It was It was after you had the baby and everything. Oh. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about that. But I'll kind of sit back. I want to have Holly tell her story up until the point where she can't remember much. And then I will take over from there. So go ahead. Um, It was scary. I, we got in there, got in the room, and they wanted to do labs and check my urine because they were thinking it could be preeclampsia. The horrible thing is swelling and vision loss can happen with normal pregnancy, but they said they wanted me in immediately to check. So they took my labs, did my urine, came back in, and this is when things got scary for me. They said that I did have too much protein in my urine, so my kidneys were not doing well, and I did have preeclampsia, uh, swelling, vision loss, and a lot of protein. A lot of protein in the urine is a telltale sign. Um, it just randomly happens to some people because I I was pretty healthy during the pregnancy. I walked a lot. I mowed. I ate pretty healthy. Not like super strict healthy, but pretty healthy. I wasn't sitting there eating Doritos all day or anything. Um, I even gave up sugar that last week, like the doctor said, except for one little Oreo and a couple of M&M's. And... That's and, what did her in, by the way. Yeah. The Oreo and I, M&M's. I feel like it. It just took took her out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the doctor came in and she said that they're going to go ahead and put two IVs in me. And I was like, why? Because I really hate needles. And right after she said that, she was like, we're going to have to go ahead and induce you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm getting two really big whammies right now. <laughs> so I, they're poking me a million times because the swelling from the preeclampsia makes it very difficult to get the needles in my veins. That was that was horrible, by the it way. It was horrifying. I, I remember after they took your blood pressure, they're like, uh, we're going to we're gonna go get someone else. We'll be right back. And I remember leaning over, looking at the blood pressure. And it was like 177 over oh, oh, yeah. 103 or 10, 106 or something yeah. like that. And I was like, I looked back at her and she goes, what? 
And I was just like, yeah, I don't think you're going to leave. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you're leaving the hospital. And she's like, why? I was like, your blood pressure, girl. It's like crazy. And then when they came back in, that's exactly what they told us. I was like, ha, huh, called it. And then they sat there trying to stick her the whole entire time. It was like trying to trying to find her arm with a balloon around her whole arm. It was horrible. They didn't know where her blood vessel was. They didn't know and how I'm, to get her. I'm terrified of needles. So them doing that on top of telling me they're inducing me and me being scared for the baby. It, it was, I think, one of the most, I think the most nerve wracking thing I've ever been through. <laughs> Um, I forgot about the blood pressure. Oh, Lord. See, that's why my doctor didn't think anything of it, though. I had been swelling really bad the whole time. We kept asking, but my blood pressure was perfectly fine. It just randomly went askew. The funny thing was, well, I don't know, maybe it wasn't funny to you. I know she found it very interesting, but she was so swollen. You could take your finger, you could push her skin all the way down to her bone, like a solid half inch at least. Yeah. And you could remove your finger and it would stay like that for a couple minutes. Yeah. And it hurt too. It feels like bruises. Um, eventually during all of that, they gave me shots that would make me pee out the swelling. And I literally, I lost over 40 pounds in less than a week. Like it is crazy. I feel so much better now. Um, anyway, so after they said they were going to induce me, they wheel me out into the labor and delivery room. And they gave us the biggest room, which I'm glad because I was stuck there for a few days. It most was people huge and nice. We got the corner suite, is what they called it. Yeah, most but people are there for only a day. Their window, um, the window outside oh, her bed, like you, you know, her legs are spread to like have the baby directly across from that. There was a window, a massive window, and when you opened up the blinds, guess what it showed you outside? Like right on par, even with the parking garage. It was yeah. So you could be walking across a parking garage and it was probably 30 feet away, 40 feet away was like the, one of the levels of the garage. So they could be walking by, kind of look right in. I remember us testing it to see if you could see in really well. And her mom and I walked out there and actually like, um, had someone come to the window. We we're waving at them. We we're like, yep, you can see in. <laughs> and so obviously when she had the baby, they had to pull the, sh the blinds down. But I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um. So, oh, before they wheeled me in there, they put me on magnesium. And that was supposed to relax my body so my brain didn't fry from all the blood pressure, I think they said. Um. That was not fun. The first half an hour, you're like burning hot. And then after that, you just feel sick the whole time. But they have to keep you on it for 24 hours after you give birth to slowly take you off of it I think no 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 they take you off of it but you have to stay still for 24 hours afterwards um so that also wasn't fun but anyway so that all happened around two in the afternoon and then I did get an epidural and the next day they were worried I wasn't going to dilate enough they put a balloon to help me dilate, and my doctor was getting worried that they were going to have to do a C-section. But around 7-something um, that night, the nurse did another cervix check, and I was fully dilated. So I got really lucky. You know, the funny thing is, I don't think anyone expected you to go. We 
you know, she checked you just a few hours earlier. Nothing was going on. She was like, you haven't moved at all in the last, like, But it's the hours. epidural. They always say the epidural, like, helps you relax and get it done. Yeah. Well, you, you, she was just laying there, like, we're like, are you having contractions? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm feeling them. We're like, okay, there's no way this is, like, not anything's going on down there. When she has actual contractions, that's when we'll see, like, progress. But she's just sitting there laying there as if, like, yeah, nothing. I, I think the needle that went into her body hurt more than the contraction did. Until it was time for birth, then those I definitely felt. Not, like, probably to the extreme without an epidural, but I definitely felt them. Yeah. And then the following abdominal pain, but I'll explain that after. I just remember them saying, oh, she's, um... She's all the way. And we're like, what? Yeah. And they're sitting there. She's, she kept checking and checking and checking, trying to see if she was correct. And she's like, no, you're, you're good. We're going to have you start pushing. And so she walked over to the corner. She flipped on all the lights because it was dark. We thought we were all going to sleep at 8 o'clock at night. And flipped on all the lights. She walked out. She came back in like with four other people. They I started remember real, my heart everything in. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, we're doing this. Yep. I was like, wow, I'm going to have... A baby by the in the next like hour or two, he's gonna be here. Yeah, that's the very first thing I thought is like this is the last time I'm gonna sit here with my hands empty. Yeah, and then that was it. They started asking her to push. Yeah, and you apparently push like you're pooing. Yeah, I didn't know that. And you didn't poo. That was one of her biggest fears is that she was gonna poo in front of everybody. I was so happy. <laughs> she didn't poo once. Yeah, and I had the catheter and everything in me, so I think they, like... Oh, and they had me on a very strict diet, like, the whole 24 hours, so I probably had nothing to poo anyway, because I had to drink, like, clear stuff and eat... Well, eat Jello. God, I don't want Jello ever again. No more Jello. Um, so, during all of that, I got a bunch of hemorrhoids. Brooklyn said it looked like a grapevine. It did, like, I mean, there were just, like, little little balls all over like her butthole it was really <laughs> weird uh, um but they said i was doing really great at pushing like i guess i'd done it before or something and i was like you tell me to push like i gotta go then i'm gonna have to say i have my other kiddos and this seemed to be the most relaxed uh, like watching someone give birth like everybody was just chill there instead of like running around making it a big deal until afterwards i know right but um, it was crazy because the nurse, you know, I'm up at the top, like, helping her, like, keep her leg back. And then she's like, oh, you want to come over here? It's okay. Um, just, okay, if you want to lean in here, you can see his head once she pushes. And um, sure enough, I sat there, looked down, and she starts pushing, and her vagina opened up. And you could see the little guy's hair just sitting there inside of her vagina. And I was like, oh, my God. And her mom was up there, and I looked up at her, and she kind of, like... Gave me, like, a look like, uh, did you see it? Mm. And I was like, take a look right down there. And she pushed again, and her mom, like, leaned over and looked, and she goes, <gasps> and it, she closed her eyes for a second, and she just leaned back just sitting there. I don't know if she was in shock mm. or if it was hitting her that her daughter was pushing out her baby, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, her first little, well, probably only grandbaby after this. But um, it was crazy. We just sat there watching... Watching her push and push. Yeah, they would have me push. Some of them did eight. Most of them did eight seconds. Some of them did ten, and some were like just push. 
And I like the eight seconds. Those were the best ones. Yeah. But then after a little bit, they were just kind of like, ah, just stop now. Don't push anymore. We're going to wait till your doctor gets here for the rest. That was horrible. I had the contraction still, and I was trying not to push. That was not fun. But luckily, Dr. Haig was super quick. Took her about 15 or 20 minutes to get there. Oh, really? Oh, in my head, it was quick. Ugh. But yeah, that part wasn't fun. We had another doctor, it was the resident doctor that showed up and was sitting there down there with her like, don't push, don't push. And we had some of the other nurses that when the doctor kind of wa walked out for a minute, you know, a nurse would walk in and she'd be like, oh, there, you know, it's okay. And she'd sit there with her for a minute and then the doctor walked back in and it was so casual. It was just like, ah, the baby's coming in a little bit. We're all good. It's like they knew exactly when the baby was going to be here. Mm hmm. But um, Dr. Haig walks in and she goes, we're going to have a baby, I see. And we're like, yeah. And she just squatted down. And we have video of this. It's really neat because I've watched yeah. it a few times. Squatted down. And what happened? I remember seeing a huge gush of water and then just a lot of relief. Like, oh, my God. That was it. Did you feel relief in your belly? No, it... Like my mom described it, you feel a lot of warmth down there and like relief from the pressure of wanting to bear down. Like it just, I don't know, it's kind of like when you have a really good poo, yeah. but better. Okay. It was just like, oh. And then they lifted him up and it was, there was a big pop of water. It just was like, yeah. And like water just splurted out everywhere and he went sliding out and he was like, yay. Mm. Right into the doctor's hands and she, they threw a, a blanket over your belly and they threw him up on top of your belly and they kind of wiped him down a little bit and then they pushed him up naked on top of your chest. Yeah. So that you guys could have tummy time together. Yeah. And I barely remember that at this point. I think I started not feeling too great at this point. Yeah. I remember seeing him and feeling happy and I remember him on my chest, but then I remember I started being really, really cold. Uh-huh. And it was miserable. Yeah. And they bundled you up really good. They put towels and blankets all over her. But nothing was warming me up. And they, um, they didn't, they all pretty much started leaving the room at that point. They're like, okay, we're going to give you mom time. We're going to be back in after a little bit. Yeah. And the doctor said congrats and left. And then I was like, I'm going to go have my boys come in here so they can meet their brother for a few minutes because it was super late and they had to be home and get into bed for school. So I ran out. Well, brought it was them super in. late for school time. It was like 830. Yeah. And then um, I ran out, brought the boys in, and they all got to you know lean in and see him and say hi to him so they were in there for about 10 minutes i barely remember that too i and you started acting real tired at that point like you were starting to go downhill yeah and then the boys left and then your mom came back in and right as your mom came back in she noticed blood a huge pile of blood not a pile it was a huge puddle of blood <laughs> underneath the bed mm -hmm. and she was like is that normal and i looked down i was like uh i was like maybe it's from the birth and the nurse walked in a few minutes later i was like so there's a a puddle of blood is this like normal and she looks down at it she goes uh and she lifted her blanket off her bottom half and when she lifted it 
her sheets were soaked in blood her legs were soaked in blood like there was blood everywhere and she was like uh and she ran out and she hollered at someone just at the door and the girl ran in and they pulled sheets out of the room there we kind of had a closet and they pulled sheets out of there they lifted her up they pulled the blanket out and all the packing and everything and then as soon as they did that they put the new one back in they laid her down and right when they laid her down just blood came flowing out of her kind of like a little river so that was hemorrhaging she was hemorrhaging a lot and so they kept trying to pack her trying to get her to like stop bleeding and she started complaining that she i started having extreme abdominal pain uh-huh. and the nurse told me like breathe in through your nose out through your mouth but apparently that's one of the signs of the symptom they found out i had um, but they gave me morphine. Yeah. And when they gave me morphine, it made me finally warm up. The pain went away. I felt better, but I was still, I was barely conscious. She wouldn't, couldn't talk to us very well. Um, she had 104.7 temperature, which was crazy. Um, and then, oh goodness, she... I remember, like, leaning over her trying to talk to her, and her lips were white. They were, like, white, white. Her face was white, too, but I just remember her her lips, you know, they're a little bit dark. They're darker than her skin. They have a pink color, a red color to them, and they were white. And I was like, there's something wrong here. And the nurse came out. More nurses came back in. They took the baby away from her immediately. And then the doctor came running in, and they all started talking to each other, not knowing what was going on. They were trying to figure it out. They're like, oh, well, maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Well, let's get some, like, this off of them. Let's get some, get some uh, um, blood from her so we can see what's going on here. And they were like, it's going to take time. And the whole entire time they were just like, we don't have time. We don't know what's happening here. And you could tell by the way they acted that they were really, really scared. I became very overwhelmed at that point, And I handed the baby off to... Um, one of the nurses, I think, and I remember feeling very, very overwhelmed because at that point is when I walked up to her and I was like, Holly, I need you to be strong for me. And she said something that was very, I, I couldn't understand it very well. It, she said something about her saying she was trying or something like that, but I could tell that she was almost unconscious at that point. And they were another doctor what ran in and he was like i'm a surgeon from like on the other side of the building you you tell they were grasping they were trying to find somebody to help out he wasn't even didn't even belong with the birthing ward and he was over there trying to help them figure something out and they were trying to give her medicine they were taking her off medicine they were trying to like keep her from dying and i remember like crying i went over and sat over on the chair next to her just crying looking at her and they had ripped all of her clothes off of her because of her temperature she was sweating um so she was just laying there naked on the thing and she had an iv in her i just i in my mind she was going to she was gonna die and i kind of looked over at my son and i was like wow i'm gonna have to tell him that everything about his mom he's not gonna grow up knowing his mama and that was um, that was really hard for me. And I remember looking up, and her mom was crying, and my mom was crying too. But she was hugging her mom, trying to get her to calm down. 
and then there were there was a nurse, one of the nurses that helped us through a lot of this. She was off in the corner. It looked like she was getting ready to cry. She was being hugged by another nurse. And I think everybody was just standing there waiting to see what was going to happen. And that was probably the worst. Um, I have to say the worst, like, three, four, five hours. They switched her over to critical condition at some point in all of that. They had a little flap outside the door that said critical. Um, and that was just, that was it. That was rough for me. That was probably... One of the roughest points right there in my life that I'll never forget. And it took about three or four hours for her to start to regain some kind of consciousness. And I remember them checking her temperature after around that time. And her temperature went down to like 101. And they felt like they were starting to control some of it. Because she was, you're considered to have had help syndrome. Is that correct? Yeah. And then there was... um, on top of the preeclampsia, which can cause issues as well. So she had, you know, a few different things that were just really hurting her. And they even thought maybe a possible bacterial infection somehow. Yeah, they thought maybe I was septic. They gave me two blood transfusions and an iron transfusion. Because I lost so much blood, which is partially why I'm still weak right now and winded a little bit. Yeah. Um... And you don't remember really much of that, do you? I woke up like twice and I heard you cry and I heard my mom cry and wondering why you guys were crying. I remember telling myself I need to focus, like don't fade out because I didn't want to leave my baby. Did you think you were going to die? I was scared. Well, I was just scared of leaving him. Yeah. And then you guys being sad hurt too. In my mind, I thought it was going to happen. In my mind, I felt like there was nothing I could do to get around it. I had to, I was even planning stuff in my head, like, I'm going to have to tell her family. I'm going to have to talk to her family about this. I'm going to have to talk to her work. I'm going to have to tell my work. I was like, this is going to be a horrible time raising this baby without her. I was like, I'm going to have to sell this house that we're in. All these things that we had set up for the baby, he's not going to get. It was it was rough. Um, My parents probably would have supported you as much as they could have. It was just a crazy situation. It was not something that I can say I ever want to have to go through again. I don't think anybody would want to. Which is probably why even the doctors were like, we don't know if you should have another baby. <laughs> I don't know if he'd make it out alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, like, how healthy I normally am. And even if you are healthy, some things just go way, way wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we weren't even out of the woods yet at that point. No, I... We... Normally are in labor and delivery for... Or you have the baby in there, and then you go to the, the, the aftercare area. the aftercare for just a day, and we were there for a week. Yeah, we were there for a few days, and they moved us to aftercare, but they still had to check my blood pressure very often. I still have to check it every day and call the doctor and let them know. I still have some swelling, still have my bad. I still can't see. 
I mean, I'm not blind, but I definitely feel like I should be wearing glasses. It's very difficult for me to see. Yeah. It's not fun. It doesn't cause headaches, but I really wish I could see. Like, changing his little diapers is so hard. Because I keep trying to make sure he's perfectly clean, and I'm like, uh, I need, like, a lamp right over him. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, he's a monkey, too. I mean, when you try to change him, he, uh, does what a baby does. He kicks and moves his little legs around, and this little monkey's strong. Yeah, he's definitely, he got that <laughs> from tiny but strong, like his mama. God. He's, like, he was lifting his head up when he was on his tummy yesterday, almost doing a push-up. He's a beautiful little thing. We'll be posting a picture of him and uh, be able to kind of bring him on here as he gets older and as he uh, grows. But we're back home now, and it's been a few days, and so we'll hopefully be back on here doing our podcast like normal. But um, she'll have him in her arms, I'm sure, often. Yeah, I was just holding him this whole time. I just now put him in his little swing because he's passed out. And he's bundled up. He We got one of those little, uh, it doesn't rock back and forth, but it kind of sways. It's more of like a natural movement swing. I don't know what you call them. I don't know. My uh, dad, immediately after giving birth, he went and bought, <laughs> he bought a huge box of wipes, which we'll need. We've already gone through plenty of them. Uh, yes. And he bought a swing. He bought more outfits. He bought like a 20-pack of uh, baby socks. Yeah, a lot of baby so, socks. He have tons of socks for the next year. So many socks. But um, I, uh, I wanted to read a little bit here. This is um, from the United States Census Bureau. It's from census.gov. Um, it talks about same-sex couples are more likely to adopt or foster children than have their own children. And um, I was just going to read like a paragraph or two, but I just kind of wanted your opinion on it a little bit. Um, it says 15% of the 1.1 million same-sex couples in the United States in 2019 had at least one child under 18 in their household, compared to 37.8% of the opposite sex couples. Um, same-sex couples tend to have smaller families. They... Uh, let's see. Among the among couples with children, 54.7% same-sex couples only had one child compared to 39.2% of the opposite-sex couples. Um, and they actually, like, are... They tend to be adopted is kind of what I was saying earlier here. Um, what do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that they adopt more than actually... I don't get that for lesbian couples, because lesbian couples, you can just be like, hey, what are you doing? All right, thanks, or just, you got a lot of a lot of options there to do it freely. What do you mean? In what way? Uh, you could get a donor or pay for one if you wanted to, or do it the free way, just go out on the town and just do that, you know? Would you... Would if I uh, was able to produce a baby, if I was a uh, cis-born female, would you let me go do it the freeway? Oh, 
There you go. It's probably why most don't <laughs> do it the freeway. It costs money, right? Well, I know a handful of them will have like a friend or something, but I would want to like maybe do a donor, like an honest, anonymous donor kind of thing, like have them screened and all that. Yeah. I'd do that. Okay. Um, But as for males, they have to pay for the very expensive surrogacy, which is very expensive. Yeah. Um, and a donor, too. Let's see here. Um, and then IVF. Okay, I'm going to read off some of the percentages here. Um, opposite sex couples that have two biological um, parents, which is 85%. So that'd be more like a mom and a dad. Um, and then same-sex couples, so mom and mom or dad and a dad, it's only 26.1 have biological parents. So that'd be like you having the baby and us taking care of it. Kind of like what you were saying with having the freebie donor. Um, so you got the one biological parent, one step, or adoptive parent. Um, it goes much higher in same-sex couples, up to 27% versus opposite sex which is seven percent um and that's pretty much what it is it's just a lot higher you can go from 27 um two-step parents is uh, 12 percent um just biological child from one parent is 30.6 percent so it's just a lot higher in that way that means 15 less than 15 percent of all people have um biological children in a gay relationship less than 15 percent isn't that crazy yeah Yeah. we got lucky we did get lucky and it's crazy that we have um more little chances out there we got to kind of figure out what to do with them those little kiddos of ours um anyway do you have anything for gay gaming? I think you do. So, well, this is almost two weeks now after all of that began, and I have not played any video games. So, I researched some games, and I found Celeste, and I've seen it around all the time, and now I'm definitely going to get it at some point whenever I have time to play a game that does not require me to take a nap. Um, it's a transgender game. Um, apparently yeah. the orange-haired girl on the cover is trans. Wait, what's this game called again? Celeste. Celeste. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and there's big clues in it that apparently, like, the gay community picked up on real fast. Like, she's got a trans flag on her desk. But the game is about her climbing up a mountain and kind of facing anxiety, depression, trying to feel better... A lot of things that gay, trans, queer, the whole community kind of goes through. And I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. It's a platformer, I believe. Um, so. Oh, it looks like kind of like an old Nintendo game. Yeah. It's on everything. Xbox, Steam, Switch, um, PlayStation 4. And I've seen it around forever. It came out in like 2018. It's by Maddie Games, I believe. 
and so Celeste is uh, okay. I'm gonna read the um, little information about it. It says help Madeline survive her inner demons on her journey to the top of Celeste Mountain. Uh, in this super tight, handcrafted platformer from the creators of the multiplayer classic Towerfall. So, the mountain is called Celeste, not the character. Which yeah. Is, which is neat. The character is Madeline. Yes. And I'm on Best Buy right here. It's thirty four ninety nine for the Switch. Ooh-wee. No, online it's like $20. Yeah. Oh, and then if you get a digital copy, which is online here, yeah, it says $19.99. Okay. So we we need to get this. It'll be a fun game. Yeah, I definitely want to play it. Yeah, that's gay gaming. That's all the gay gaming. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I can't believe I've gone the song without video games. <laughs> what game are you gonna get into next? Um. What's your next big one? Well, I finished the Pokemon DLC in its entirety. Which I'm super glad I did that before the baby. But the new DLC is supposed to come out soon. And you still have never finished Zelda. You wanted it so bad. Oh, Lord. I'm halfway through it. It's just whenever I get to the... I think the Goros. Um, I always get so sick and tired of the fire area. I don't know why. I've always hated it. Ever since like the Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I've always hated those regions. Yeah. Uh because I like pretty, like, grassy, leafy, or fall, like, nice and pretty, not fire and death. That game is kind of, um, goes hand in hand with the baby in my mind, because you were playing that going up into having the baby, or having the insemination done, and then the baby growing inside of you. So when I think about oh, really? that game, I think about the baby. Yeah, huh. yeah. that's interesting. I, I want to do a hypothetical question for you real quick before we get off here. Mm -hmm. Just to see kind of what your thing is. Um, if you had to remove one part, and it, ha it can't be just like a chunk of skin, one part off your body, what would it be and why? Um, I would think it would be my nociceptors. Your what? They're the things, I might be saying it wrong, but I think that's how it was. Um, they're what tells your body to feel pain. And I know you should feel pain, but with my chronic spine injury, I think that would be the thing to go. Okay. And uh, I just live in a bubble. <laughs> so what if it was a topical part? Like a finger or a something? A finger, a foot, a hand, a nose... An ear. Like I have to lose it? You have to. It's it's your life or one of these things. Okay, pinky toe. It's the most worthless thing on my body. You, your pinky toe? Yeah, they say they'll be gone in about 500,000 years. Oh, we're almost there anyway. Huh? We're almost there. What do you mean? We're, we're almost there where we don't need it anyway. Yeah. 500,000 years? No time at all. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, um, I, will, I will go pinky toe too since you told me that's not necessary. <laughs> One of my pinky toes. They can take both for all I care. Uh, anything else for you tonight? Um, no, it's just if you guys decide to have your own kids, just make sure. I don't. I can't even tell you to be healthy, but being healthy probably did help a little bit. But 
Maybe that's why I lived through it. Because they said, oh, they said my blood was at like a 10 and average people are at like a 7 for like volume. Um, so maybe that helped me with my recovering a little faster. I don't know. But just be prepared. If you have a Bratland, just be prepared for the journey. Yeah. Well, it's worth it. This little man was totally worth it. Yeah. I closed so my eyes and I still see his little face in my head. Yeah. He's got his mama's eyes and chin. He's my enemy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and next year he will be Adam Gomez. Yes. I think you keep saying that, yeah. Or what's his first name? Gomez. The, the, the Gomez baby? Yeah. From the Adams family. Yeah. Yeah. With a mustache. It'll be great. All right, everybody. Well, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on our show. Don't forget to check out our other shows wherever podcasts are available. And if you're in the position to help our podcast grow, please join us at patreon.com forward slash ggirltgirl. And check out our Facebook and Instagram page for more updates and messages at gaygirl forward slash transgirl. And if you're joining us on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe. Thank you.